Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Hayden Oakley. This is the Alt Ego Podcast. Man, it is really good to be putting out episodes, but fuck, man, I have not got any time. Like, so this is like the second episode I've put up in like, I don't know, two months almost. And honestly, it's 150% because I'm trying to do this and like a million other things. Without going into too much detail, like, I'm putting out some music soon and it is just eating up my life. But, you know, the things we do for love, you know, you know, they say, oh, he's a good boy, he's in love. Yeah, he's, look at the things he do. Anyway, <laughs> this episode with uh, Callan and Noah from Days Like These, uh, really awesome. These guys are two just really honest, humble guys um, that are just trying to make shit that they are into. And it's really inspiring. They are young. They haven't been around long. But there is a lot of insight to be gleaned from their stories and their journey because I feel like there's a lot of people that are doing music right now that are not really able to authentically, I guess, do this whole thing because, you know, they're in their own way. And, and these guys have demonstrated that, you know, you can get out of your own way. <laughs> uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's a bit cryptic of me to say it in that way, but I don't know. Um, these guys, they, they've, they've, got, they've got a lot of talent and they've got um, a lot of heart. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy to be presenting this episode. And hopefully, um, you know, if you haven't heard of Days Like These, check them out. The music's sick. Uh, and they've, they've got a lot more in the tank to come. So, without further ado, here is the episode. Thanks. All right. Thank you for coming onto the pod. I'm here with Noah and Callan from Days Like These. Um, hello, hello. Hello. Uh, we've already like been chatting for like the last 10, 15 minutes. So, we, like, this is definitely fake. This is actually the first pod in person. And I'd like to say thank you for making this happen, boys. Because I understand we're in the middle of recording right now. Yeah, thank you for having us. Here we are uh, in the middle of recording our next EP, Post Wide Awake. And yeah, it's all happening. It's exciting. It's cool. Yes, very, very exciting. Well, um, on this pod, we'd like to talk about the story of the artists and creatives from the early days up to, you know, current time and get an understanding of that pathway and kind of unravel like what it takes to become an artist. Yeah. So... To start off, uh, for both of you, maybe we'll start with Callan. Um, what was the earliest kind of influence of music in your life, like even just as a kid? Um, so both my parents are not musicians in the slightest, but they were. There was quite often music playing, especially um, my dad was quite into music. He's a very wide, diverse range of uh, of his tastes. Um, one of the biggest ones that stuck with me were Metallica. Um, go figure everyone's first first introduction <laughs> um and so yeah just play that all the time we kind of like just whenever me and him were in the car we just put metallica on like i don't know um and a bunch of other bands he got me into green day as well but later on um so that's you know quite different already like heavy metal yeah, heavy metal and especially punk for like someone your dad's age i mean our, our parents are like 50 and even nearing 60 um yeah, I think like for there's a lot of people of that age bracket that definitely don't have a diverse sort of 
taste in music or an open mind. So it's cool that like our parents all had that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely contributed. Between so, all of us. And what about for you know, like was there like any musicians in the household or anything, or was it just a love of music in the home? Um no, mainly just a love of, of music, man. I mean, no one there was my grandfather, but he he passed away when I was pretty young, so it wasn't like um like he taught me guitar or anything. Um, but you know, some people say it's genetic, I don't know, but yeah, no one of, of like direct influence. Um, like my mom and dad are pretty into music. My dad's really into rock, which is like naturally why <coughs> I gravitate towards, I guess that heavier sort of more intense style of music. Uh, my mom was pretty open-minded. Like she grew up in a country town, so it definitely started with bands like ACDC and cultures or like all the classic Australian stuff. But yeah, like I, I think she's a super open-minded individual and that's, helped me that's definitely played a part in developing who i am especially as a musician um like now she listened to like fucking grimes and shit it's, it's cool so yeah <laughs> definitely appreciative your your mom's a pretty good singer too yeah oh sorry yeah that's another point since i was like probably eight i think she's like had some sort of karaoke system and so like we all used to um yeah get around like get on the karaoke just even for fun and then yeah, eventually I just found, I don't know, I clicked with it a bit. And I was like, all right, rock star time sort of thing. I don't know. Like that was, that was my first <laughs> thought. I think a lot of people say like, you know, I didn't think about fame or any of that shit. But I think for me, I was like, yeah, I'm imagining myself in like front of thousands of people and I'm going to do that by learning how to play a guitar. And I just started from there really. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Same sort of thing. I think for me as well was always jumping on the furniture from, from, I very vaguely remember that anyway. And I think... Yeah. I think my parents would corroborate that story. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. And then from there, I kind of took what my dad showed me and just started investigating myself. And I asked, I asked to start getting guitar lessons and the rest is history. When, when was that? When, when did the guitar lesson start? Pretty young. Um, I think I was halfway through primary school. I did it for quite a while and then I stopped lessons um, I think I think I stopped lessons because um, my I used to get so I was born in New Zealand um, and I was getting guitar lessons over there and then moved to Australia. I think the school that I went to um, didn't offer any lessons, um, and then later on, a couple of years into it, they had like a an outside tutor come in and offer lessons like after school or whatever. And so mm. I started them again. But I, I think he left and I just didn't find any other teacher. And then the second that you mentioned New Zealand, I've not been able to stop hearing the fucking accent. <laughs> I had no idea. And then like the second you said, I'm like, oh, fuck, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I feel like most people don't know. I mean, when I met Cal, I was like, yeah, he's Kiwi. Instantly. Some people thought he was British. I don't know why. But yeah, yeah now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like with that fresh mind, it's all you can hear from now Yeah, on. yeah, it's all I can hear now. Sorry. I just like completely like, I wasn't even listening to the words. I was just like... <laughs> Kiwi accent? Oh, okay, cool. Um, what, what about for you? When did you get started, Noah? Um, in terms of playing music, I was... Uh, I think when I was like eight, I had that rock star sort of mindset. I was like, yeah, this would be awesome. And I had like visions of just like shredding in my room. Um, but my dad bought a guitar. I was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, bought an electric guitar for me and I picked it up <laughs> and I fiddled around I'm like this is way harder than I expected <laughs> I don't know what to do um yeah so I guess kind of I stopped thinking about it then and I was like into skateboarding at that time so I was like definitely 
like i don't know that alternative sort of kid maybe um that fit into that sort of scene if you will but uh anyway uh and then like i think it was about two years later uh, i had a friend in school who played guitar um and he started teaching me some chords and that and uh once i knew kind of like enough uh quote-unquote theory i kind of just started looking up videos on youtube and that um had a couple other friends in school who played instruments so yeah there was definitely like a few of us who just supported each other and got together and jammed and (laughs) taught each other stuff um so that's where it started and then yeah further down like I, i learned i was actually probably maybe like a year later i started playing drums yeah um which has kind of led me to now being the drummer of DLT. Um, but yeah, how did how did stuff for you? I don't know if anyone's ever asked on the podcast, but <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, you're obviously a bit of an emo boy at heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, well, for me, like I don't know. It was I. I, I loved like I, don't know, I loved alternative music as a kid. Um, and interestingly enough, my start was playing the trumpet. Hey, um, yeah, nice. yeah. I was I was with I was hanging out with the band kids. Um, cool. in school, but uh, yeah, I always like was i was never into the music that we were playing at school i was like i know i started off with like lincoln park and shit like that then one day a girl from school burned a parkway drive cd for me um nice. and that kind of like just set everything onto like that upward trajectory into just like the more i i say extreme it's not really extreme metal but like you know the stuff yeah. that's not on the radio yeah yeah it's like that non-commercial stuff yeah well yeah. i guess i don't know maybe times are changing maybe it is becoming commercial i'm not sure I don't know, Parkway Drive documentary kind of makes me feel like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard... I've oh, heard you got to watch it. Yeah, I, everyone says that. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I'll... I'm, I've never been a fan, but, like, I respect the grind. There's a reason why that once upon a time that music was, yeah, almost frowned upon, I guess. And now it's... I mean, they have m- millions and millions of fans across the world. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I also started... Like like playing uh, like orchestral music in school. I I think I started with the percussion, then I ended up playing trombone. But yeah, it was similar. Oh, to, trombone! Yeah, yeah, Bro. yeah. And I was horn section, horns <laughs> up, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can't pretend I was like good at it. I just I don't know. I guess I just wasn't passionate about it. I think it was a similar thing where we were just playing music that I wasn't really into, and I couldn't really appreciate, at least on a personal level. Um, See, that's yeah. the, you know what the problem is? They never got you to play Scar, bro. That changed yes. everything. Yes. <laughs> Actually, legit, dude. I I used to be in like into like no effects and that. Yeah. Um, and like occasionally when they went into the Scar thing, I was like, fuck it. I'm buying like a cheap ass trumpet and I'm going to learn this. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, I don't know, rock music found me. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Well, it's funny. Like Ice Nine Kills started as a Scar band, funnily enough. What? Yeah. Ice Nine Kills, man. Yeah, that's it. That's hectic. Yeah, nice little piece of trivia. I think I picked that up off listening to. I think it was. I think it was the Get Tuck podcast. He talked about that on. Can't remember. Anyway, let's talk about you guys. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, cool. So, like, I guess how old were you guys when you first like started music? I guess like fourteen years old, kind of thing. I guess for both of you, like for being in bands, or just like to start playing music and like giving a shit about it. Um. I would, I guess I spent the first few years after first picking up the guitar, just learning songs and, you know, all the basics. Mm. Um, I didn't, I don't think I wrote music for a while, but I mean, when I picked up a guitar, I was probably like eight or nine. So I probably didn't start trying until I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, 
but we like, I guess my first taste of playing with a group of musicians would have been um when I moved over to Oz um just found some kids in the in the same music classes and we would get together at break times and start just jamming some covers how old were you then when you moved over uh, I was 13 when I moved over 13 um actually before before bef- just before moving to Oz um I was heaps into like EDM music yeah <laughs> and I wanted to be like a DJ <laughs> <laughs> what was your DJ name I uh, I don't think I had one I think nah I just wrote very terrible <laughs> EDM music. I think I, yeah, no. There's a, there's a lot of alternative kids who wanted to be DJs. Yeah. Um, Jono from Bloom. His D, his DJ name was DJ Ono. DJ Ono. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. I mean, like naturally, especially with I don't know, like bands like Bring Me the Horizon, um, making this type of music popular, but also like I guess mushing all these genres and styles together. Um, yeah, like you, it's, you're surprised, I guess it surprised you when you look into people's history and you find out that they didn't just listen to metal for like the entirety of their lives. Like yeah. people like Callan, they started with EDM and then later on, and then like you find the rock thing and then all the, like the metal thing. And then later on down the track, I feel like now only in the last, maybe since like our first, I would say semi-decent single antidote was like 2019 we kind of started incorporating electronics and being like, all right, yeah. there's a way to work. There's, there's also like pop doesn't have to be bad. Um, it's just like breaking that kind of purist mindset that a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, and that I think that at least for us personally um, has evolved out, uh, us as a band. Um, but for me starting to play an instrument, actually like music starting to become a part of my life was probably... I think it was like 10 or 11. It was it was kind of like later sort of primary school for me. Um, yeah, and it was that time that like my friends started teaching me guitar and stuff and I started listening to... It was also like the first band that I got into which is Foo Fighters. Like my dad ex- um, exposed yeah, me to it. Boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Dave Grohl's my hero in like a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> these probably pretender my- made me want to be a rock star. Yeah, li- yeah, exactly, man. I remember hearing that song and like we even, funnily enough, covered it at school and shit. And then... Um, yeah, it definitely influenced me a lot. And um, it was like when Wasting Light came out. Um, I mean, a lot of people talk shit about that album, but I think it's their best album. And um, yeah, from from then on, I was like, all right, rock music is the way. Let's do it. Fuck yeah. Well, okay, so first bands. Uh, I guess you guys like, you know, 13 years old, kind of ripping shit. When did you get like your first group together that was like, yeah, let's, let's make some songs? Um, Yeah, it was... It was- that time when I started jamming with like kids in the music class at break times and stuff. Um, and to be honest, it's always been, um, uh, like this group of people is what led days like these into forming anyway. I've kind of only had like one thing. Um, those first few years were like people coming in and out and like, we weren't doing anything. We're just like jamming and stuff for ages. And then it kind of was, uh towards the end of school we were like no like some of us really want to do this properly and like do things outside of jamming in the break room um so we just tried to find the right group of people um like russell's brother used to play drums for us um and then just i guess i don't think 
he wanted to do it as seriously as we did. Um, and then we got Noah. Yeah, kick, kick that pussy out, get Noah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because it was so like me and a bunch of people in my music class starting out, and then eventually Russell ended up in the group. Um, he's a, he was a year younger than us in school, mm. and we knew him through his brother who played drums. Um, so Russell joined, then Russell's brother left. We got Noah in because Noah um, came to our high school a few years into. The, right. Yeah, I was going to ask how you guys all got to yeah. meet each other. Yeah. Um, so we were pretty much all three of us knew each other through school. Um, I was there first. I was still a fucking immigrant. But funnily enough, I was the first one at that school and then Russell, uh, then Noah started and then Russell started a bit after. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the only, the main group I've always played in were in some shape or form, the original <laughs> version of DLT. Yeah. Um, Did you guys have a name before Days Like These? We had a different name um, with the half of us were like, uh, with like half of the band was different members at that point. It was, I think it was all about then. All about then. It's fucking pretty similar to Days Like These anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in terms of quality, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Affinity for the three name. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like what is it like pop punk kind of vibe with the yeah. names? Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I, I miss like the days of like verb the noun bands were like, yeah. like crown the empire, pierce the veil. Like every band had like that three word name. Yeah. yeah. At least you guys didn't have the in the middle. I feel like that's a. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I think anything with the in the middle, we're like, ah, it's cringe, but we ended up with a cringe <laughs> name anyway. So I guess you can't win. No, well, yeah. like listening to like the early stuff from you guys, like the name definitely fit the band. Um, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Look, not to say that it doesn't now. I think you guys have rebranded really nicely with this uh, latest record as well um, and turned a new page. But we will get to that. I'm not going to skip ahead, I promise. Um, I was going to say, at least my first band was a very similar thing. It was uh, jamming at lunchtime in the break rooms, just like learning covers, just even like learning how to do music, learning our instruments, getting familiar with it. It wasn't... Like, you know, you got you to gotta walk before you run sort of thing. Yeah. Learning um, how to play in a room as well is like... Yeah. Like, you know, like being able to play to a track by yourself is one thing, but being able to play with a group of people and make it make it work together, that's a different yeah. skill. Yeah, it is. I agree. And I think um, it's weirdly something... Well, not weirdly, I guess. It makes sense that I, I feel like younger people maybe like around... Maybe like around so your sort of age to to ours like twenty to twenty five sort of thing don't really have. Whereas I guess older musicians have had a lot a lot of time to do it, but I guess they also focused. Like they didn't have IEMs and backing tracks, so they just jammed and like they got good at gelling with each other and also learning how to gel with others and just mm. having that. Um, I don't know what it is like that ability to just like walk in a room with strangers like who are or obviously good musicians. And just instantly form into this one sort of unit. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to miss that when you're like so focused on other things, especially in like, I think there's more pressure and there's more things you have to do as a modern band or even a modern artist to kind of keep up. Cause you're essentially like, you know, you, like we're having fun and we love what we're doing. But um, it's kind of like that idea where you release a song and someone might listen to it like, yeah, it's good. But if you. Like, for example, there's a lot of bands that sound exactly like bigger bands and people listen to that song and, and I think we've probably been in that category once once or twice and 
people listen to that song and think, oh, it was cool, but I would just go and listen to the bigger, better version. Yeah. Right? So, if you're ripping off Amity, they're going to be like, well, why would I just not go and listen to Amity, you know? Um, I can think of a couple of reasons, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a personally a big fan? Oh, I like I like older Amity. Yeah. Yeah, fair. But um, anyway, that's, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to talk shit on Amity Affliction here. <laughs> this is what my podcast for, talking shit. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I try and make a knot, but sometimes it just wheels its way in. Yeah. My my heart's deepest desires. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess like, so you you guys kind of came together in like you know the early days of days like these. When did days like these become serious? Like end of school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were doing it for a couple of years. Um, we, did, we played a few things like outside of school. Um, like battle of the bands kind of thing, or. Something of the sort that we did a battle of bands a couple of years that was a school ran event like between other schools, which was pretty cool. Um, actually, I think the more I think about it, the better that experience was. Like, there was we played it on a very big stage, um, in front of some uh, all the other schools, and then um, we had I think two years we did it was like an evening show for like the general public between like the suburbs, like all the schools, and it was like a fucking packed thing oh, wasn't dude. it it's, i mean even still it is the biggest crowd we've ever played to i reckon it's <laughs> definitely not a flex at all i think um i mean after all we're playing in front of like like peers and and parents but i think it was called logan idol and so it was essentially a bunch of schools in logan who just yeah like this battle of the bands s sort of event and um i reckon there would have been like 800 to a thousand people in the crowd and that's great so like significantly less than that since i think like you know not even half so it was a great experience. Like um, a lot of people look back on their high school days and kind of have that cringe fact and we do, but there's also a lot of great things that build you up to be kind of the musician you become, I guess. Mm. And, and like, it's, it all, it's all a part of that 10,000 hours rule. Yeah. You know, like uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta chip away at the, at the start, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did a bunch of shit like that. And then we're like, I think Noah, introduced me to like the local music scene so like you know aa shows at like 3 p.m on saturdays up in the city he he started taking me to that because he was much more involved with that than i was when we Mm. first met each other um so we used to see bands like stepson she cries wolf um deadlight sometimes um we were obviously like 16 so any aa show we'd try and get to yeah um which is fucking sick Luckily, we caught the end of that yeah. era when yeah. AA shows were still a thing. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, dark time so to be a, to be a young person into heavy music. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. Um, yeah, and so we got into that, and through that, through that like local alternative scene, we started trying to you know get in that, involved in playing those sort of shows and stuff. And we played a couple, um, and it just went from there. That's how we moved from like the school rock band playing in the break rooms to like playing in like the local alternative scene. Yeah. Um, we were lucky to um, make a few, quite a few friends that helped us out. Like Jaden from Stepson put us on a AA show with Stepson when we were very, very young and did not deserve to be there. <laughs> we were so bad. He definitely did not ask us because we had a killer EP. That's for sure. It was like, I just remember like chatting them after shows, obviously as a fan and, um, yeah, he was always super supportive. And I think he just, once he found out we were a band, he was like, like these guys have supported us and it's kind of like giving back, I guess. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and that did like as a tiny band, who, like knew no one knew us. It did a lot of things for us at the time. Yeah, I guess. I suppose after being introduced to the local scene and whatever, we it was right as we finished high school. Um, we just graduated and we actually started recording. Um, State of Growth. It was right, just literally after yeah. we graduated. I think it was yeah. like before after graduation, but before Christmas, we started working on that and we just like recorded it in my bedroom and mm. took ages it was a very terrible time <laughs> and what, what, what was that first single you guys put out i the name escapes me uh autumn winds yeah autumn winds yeah, oh, yeah. no good. no no there, was there one before that i was looking at the band camp before i got here hold on give me a sec that that should be the first one is it okay yeah there might be one there might be one called lucio which was like our biggest song at the time i guess i think that's the one i'm thinking of that was the, yeah. that was the oldest one on the band camp lucio Oh, I mustn't have uploaded Autumn Winds as a single then. No. Oh, no, there's the acoustic version of Autumn Winds. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. Um, yeah, so we did that as soon as we graduated and put it out and played a bunch of shows and oh, no, yeah, learned a lot in the years to come after that. Yeah. And yeah. I guess now we're here. Even still. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you, you, you happen to cringe, but... I mean, we wouldn't be here without it. Yeah, 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 and that's the thing. Like, um, well, I actually want to talk more about that. So let's let's okay. let's let's delve into the cringe. Let's lean in. Yes. Yeah. All yeah. right. Let's <laughs> do it. Um, so that first single, Autumn Winds. How did you guys record that first of all, and what was that experience like? So we a bunch of those songs for that EP mm. were like demos that I'd written. I'd wrote, written, whatever. Writed. Writed. <laughs> um, and then kind of just presented them as they were. I mean, they weren't finished, finished mm. to like the rest of the band. And Russell and Noah at the time were the other main songwriters. And we worked on them. We finished them. Um, and I just recorded it in, in my bedroom. And I had no idea what I was doing. So that's all self-produced, self-recorded, self-mixed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, it took so, so long. <laughs> well, um, what was the rig? What was the setup? What were you running? My laptop in a 2i2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ableton. Yeah. I recorded in Ableton. Um, I still record in Ableton most of the time as well. I just can't move away from it for some reason. Was it, was it digital amps as well? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Bias effects. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Easy drummer. Too good. Yeah. So good. I had to like, I had to like. <laughs> teach Noah how to write MIDI drums. Yeah. He was like, what is this foreign technology? Because yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't write the best MIDI drums. I'm yeah. far from a drummer for some reason. I haven't just picked it up that much. So It's like a glorified metronome. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like taught Noah how to write the MIDI drums. And, he and then spent... he made them good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he did. Tried to. Tried to. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the parts were there. Like you can't fuck up putting notes in midi no, in a midi not. piano roll but uh you definitely yeah. can you can <laughs> well, uh, i think you did a good well, job guitarists do it all the time so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we did it we did all those six songs and yep. we got with that ep we kind of worked with a, like a local um dare i say manager who kind of like advised us how to release it um to be fair, I mean that wasn't the most pleasant experience, but to be fair, we kind of learned how to how an EP rolls out. 
like yeah. Sing, yeah, single, okay. single, do a cool music video or two, and then the rest of the songs come out. Like before that, we had no idea how that all worked. I mean, yeah. I didn't at least. Yeah. Um. So we learned at least. Yeah. Something from that experience. Was um was there any like cool opportunities that came from doing that EP early on? Um. That same. That same like manager, booking agent, whatever you want to call them, like helped us put on some of our own shows and celebration of it. And to be fair, looking back and how young and uh terrible we were like there were still cool experiences for us to have mm. um and then i think later on in that year that came out in like then the whole ep was out by may april yeah. april um i think in august we got that stepson show was it august yeah it was august. yeah so like four months later we had i guess kind of fresh music and as noah said earlier like Jane kind of gave back to us. Yeah. And yeah. put us on that show, which was a very cool thing for us at that time. Yeah. As well as that, um, it was it was once we were working with that sort of management agency. Um, and yeah, like Alan kind of briefed before, he helped us set up release shows and stuff like that, which as a tiny band who just like graduated high school and doing all these things, um, kind of blindfolded, I guess. So we didn't know what we were doing. It was definitely... Like, you know, I, I, I personally believe, you know, every negative experience you have, there is some element of some, I guess, something you can learn. Just yeah. that there's always a bit of positive in there. Um, no, yeah. You, you got you to fuck up before you can get it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to make those mistakes and you got to learn from them. Um, so, yeah. And so, thankfully, because we had that um, and we had a lot of really great friends and family kind of supported us, we had a couple, you know, small um sold out sort of aa shows um yeah and then even other than that i mean like we said we didn't have a great ep we had a shitty ep but disagree but continue <laughs> well yeah i guess yeah you know you're in worst critic sort of thing but um yeah i think a big element of us like like i don't think it was really our ep that helped us do anything that we did that year not as much as at least i think maybe networking and stuff like that did just getting out there and being yeah. being part of the scene exactly because i still think that word of mouth sort of thing um and that face-to-face sort of presence is really important i think it's like it's easy to forget about that when you're told that social media is like the new like one and only sort of thing that you really need but i don't think that's true i think you know it's it's like a balance of everything um yeah so like i think it was Callum went to a show where Jaden was tour managing another band. Um, and he was like, yo, what's up? How you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Catching up. And um, yeah, he said, yeah, like what's happening with DLT? He said, yeah, we just played like a couple like sold out AA shows, which was a really cool feeling for us. And he was like, whoa, true. Um, because I guess that was definitely the time that like all ages shows were dying out. Um, so I think partly because of that reason and because he just wanted to help out like a few younger sort of kids he yeah chucked us on that show and legend ever since <laughs> yeah awesome so off of the back of that ep i think you guys did a couple of little bits and pieces the next yeah. big thing for you guys was going to be antidote no no, no there wasn't a single before antidote right yeah the absolute the absolute that yeah. was um it was pretty post hardcore still yeah definitely. yeah yeah, and then yeah, also calls them skank beats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heaps of that. Yeah, so what, like, uh, what happened between um, 
you know, the end of the EP and doing that single and what, what changed going into that single? Um, I don't know. We, I think it's a, it was a big step up in terms of quality. Would you agree, Noah? Oh, the absolute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know when we wrote and recorded that. Was that we also to, self-produced or? No, we went to, um, Corey Judd, yep. funnily enough, from a night in Texas. Yeah, um, and you recorded our pop punk song. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, that was a big um, experience because we'd never been to a, like a studio before and worked with someone else on the song. Mm. Um, the song itself stayed pretty true to how we wrote it, um, but it was definitely interesting for us to go. have an experience in a real studio. Yeah, kind like of Noah recorded real drums on that. Um, I had someone else like producing my vocals, I guess, and like telling me what to do, like not. Like, in a, in a good way. Yeah. Um, well, like, as, as, like, I don't know, for me personally, like, when I first went into the studio, it felt, like, really foreign. Like, the way that I did things earlier, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, that first studio experience uh, was pretty surprising. Were there any, like, really surprising moments for you guys of, like, oh, shit, that, that's how you actually do that? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, it was the first time that I'd ever properly recorded drums. I think for, like, an old band that I used to have, we did some sort of like essay like i think it was like some weird free thing where like a bunch of students would record your song essentially and i'd play drums for that but it was they, they just kind of put me in there like there was no sense of direction or anything so this was the first time that i felt like whoa i'm actually like recording drums and there's someone who like knows what he's doing sort of thing um um so i guess that also, was i'm pretty sure of, the producer you went to is a drummer isn't he uh cory jar i think he's a guitarist but he recorded drums for like um most releases he did and the fact the reason why we went to him is because like he did she cries wolf last album i think and we're like oh sick i mean like we liked that production and stuff uh we're like selecting through a few producers and yeah. he seemed to be the one but um surprisingly i i mean i wouldn't say there was i think we were surprised at least by uh i guess like Corey's workflow i guess we were expecting like eight hours in the studio like grinding it out and stuff and he seemed to do things pretty quickly which seems to work for him i guess so that was the surprising part i think just everything was like an upgraded version of what we were doing so it was good to know that like we weren't doing like making any major fuck-ups it was just like maybe a matter of time before Callan got to that sort of level um you know having self-produced it and the reason why we did that for our first ep um was just because like we were high school kids and couldn't yeah, really didn't afford. Have money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to like go in a studio and do six songs, mix it and everything. Whereas, you know, like a one 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 song standalone, you like there's a bit of time and a bit of money there to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think yeah, the biggest thing was just like workflow and efficiency. Like as I mentioned earlier, it, we took forever to record that EP, um, mainly on the vocals. But I don't know. We had no idea what we were doing. I at that time was very, very fresh to singing and just wasn't happy with anything and didn't know how to control my voice and whatever. I'll give him credit though. Callum was singing for six months before we started recording that EP before that. <laughs> like, yeah, I, w- I would essentially say like, I don't know. He, he, yeah. I, I feel like he couldn't sing, I guess, before that. And then no. six months of grinding, like Callum's got a great work ethic. So credit to that man. I actually, speaking about it right now, I've only just had this thought. I'd probably say you, you produced my vocals on that EP because yeah. you were the one at the computer. You you were singing a lot yeah. more than me at that time and kind of telling me what to do and, like, and it was for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking definitely needed that guidance. 
Um, I mean, we taught each other things. You taught me mini drums and I <laughs> exactly. did something to do with the vocal. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, and then like to do like just to do vocals for an entire song in one day was, I guess, shocking to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of that. It was a good experience. It was um, like... We you got a taste a of the professional life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think for Antidote, it was just like an even upgraded version of that. Yeah. Um, we, we, we worked with Jimmy from Awaken on that when he freshly had moved to Brisbane. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he um, taught us like what a producer can do. Like, as I said, Corey didn't touch the song that much. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy really went in deep and like reworked the song with us um, for the better. We're, okay. we're definitely glad how mm. it turned out. Um, and that was like a taste of what a very hands-on producer could do for us yeah um yeah so that so in between um the absolute and antidote like because those those both came out in 2019 right yeah how far apart were those i think five months um so we'd we'd finished the absolute i think it was in october um yeah october 2018 and then we finished the absolute i think maybe march or april um 2019 so it was like what's that like maybe six months apart yeah um in finishing and releasing them um so yeah like a lot changed but i think jimmy had a, a massive part to do with that yeah. and to go i guess to delve further into what callan said earlier it was kind of like learning the the processes and the elements that make a band more than just guitar bass drums and vocals you know yeah. like all the all the little things all the ear candy and that sort of thing on a record or a song that makes it what it is and you know like you couldn't even get someone to point them out but it yeah it's just it makes the song so much better mm. so i think up until we started working with lalic chris lalic it was definitely the biggest um i guess the most significant pivotal point and our yep. sound changing and we walked away super inspired to yeah. start writing some new songs and i'd feel like the quality as you'd hope like each time you like do some music you know the quality and your style changes and it steps up from there i guess yeah absolutely so what inspired the sound change because obviously before that you guys were doing like more of a post like core kind of sound and then antidote i feel like was like you know the big shift in sound yeah what inspired that change and how and how, where did it come from we went to jimmy with a very shitty silverstein ripoff song <laughs> so the sound change we didn't really have it yet um and he reworked it to something that's a bit a lot more uh, modern and alt rocky um so i guess working with him on that and changing that song so much um we realized this is much more up our alley and what we wanted to do and mm. we just simply before then didn't really know how to achieve it so we learned a lot from jimmy um yeah i, I know how to make silverstein song yeah uh, so i'm gonna make silverstein stong and yeah silverstein stong <laughs> uh, yeah i'm gonna make silverstein song and then you make it better that, that's it <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean and then after that, you walk out, like, oh, I can make not Silverstein yeah. song. <laughs> I can make other song. <laughs> um, funnily enough, like, every time we've worked with the, someone on music, like a producer on music, we've walked away having learned so much. Like, still, still to this day, every time we're in the studio, we learn so much. 
um, and learning how to write the music we want to write, I guess, because we're so, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as much as Jimmy definitely had played a massive part, I think walking away from that, we realized how much that song change probably fit more of what we were listening to that time anyway. Yeah. Like we weren't listening to bands like Silverstein and Neck Deep so much anymore. We were like, I think a, a big, personally, a big sort of shift in my taste and what a band could do with their sound was probably Ammo by Bring Me. Um, I love that album. Yeah, so do I, man. I, I Yeah, a lot of people, it's a big change in what they do in a lot of ways. Um, So, I mean, a lot of people didn't really dig it. But personally, I was like, whoa, I think this is like one of the most diverse albums I've ever heard. And um, like I've like in the last year, I've gotten to the 975 and they have a similar thing where just like it feels like there's no boundaries sort of yeah. thing and that's a great feeling to feel that free i guess um yeah so i feel like antidote changing that much um also made us realize oh like all these open the floodgates kind of yeah thing. exactly um yeah and so we walked away and started making definitely the the more sort of diverse music uh sorry the most diverse music we'd ever made at that point rather than just making those like pop punk post hardcore sort of tunes um so I guess naturally you'd hope that your music kind of grows with your taste sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and there are a few bands and we were one of them where it's weird. Like you're like, you hear that new release and you're like, oh yeah, it sounds like, you know, like a slightly better version of what they used to do. Just sounds like that same style, better production, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, yeah, well, like what's the five artists you've listen, been listening to? You're like, yeah, Doja Cat. Um, and just start naming like all these artists that like sound nothing like their, uh, their band and I'd sometimes I think, well, why don't you just do that? Why don't you follow what you love? And like, you should be, I, I personally believe that you should be making the music you want, like other artists to produce, yeah. you know, not like keep reliving that dream that the 15 year old self had. Like you don't have to scream your whole life. You can sing. You can I, fucking- I disagree. Every band should be screamo. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever change your sound because it doesn't suit me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no, I, I absolutely appreciate that when that comes from. Uh, and I think it's cool that you guys are able to figure it out like so early on as well. Like what? Because yeah. I don't know. I, I, th- I we'll, we'll get more into that after this little bit. I want to talk about um, playing shows for a sec. Uh, you guys hadn't toured prior to doing Antidote, right? It was on Antidote that you guys like left the state for the first time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we played for, I guess, the the years we were involved in the local music scene. Just playing. Um, probably the mindset was nearly as many shows as we could. I think late, later on in that, we just started to like not play every show that was offered to us. Yeah. And like, I guess learned a sense of where we sat with our peers, like other bands in the scene. Um, I think we, yeah, I think we left this. I, I think we even left the state maybe a little bit prematurely looking back, but, yeah. but I think it was also a good thing. It was definitely like a, a great experience still nonetheless um that that tour where on antidote where you guys came up and that was the first time i saw you guys i was like oh yeah they oh be. what the fuck their drummer's singing i like under oath <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. <laughs> oh, see so you, you saw us here in melbourne with yeah yeah with yeah yeah. Rimmers. Maybe, yeah. yeah 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 i was uh i was hanging out with um mary and um of course yeah sick i'm but, sorry um, you heard that <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not a good show no. for for us for us yeah um, like a month later we 
uh, maybe just short of a month later, we played Sydney and I just thought like, if only we played like that in Melbourne. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, like sometimes, it, I think like that idea yeah. that a fresh state, all these things. It's uh, a lot of pressure. It is. And I guess it's like the pressure you put on yourself. Whereas mm. once someone said to me, um, like if you go to another state, just pretend like you're in your hometown. I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's like, <laughs> Except none of my friends are here. <laughs> exactly. I guess so. But like, I don't know. It's just like, sometimes you just, and that's all a part of it. It's all a part of the journey that learning to control your nerves and like being rational, I guess, and being your own friend. I don't know. But um, we definitely, even though we might have left Queensland or Brisbane prematurely, I think that would have had to happen at some point. I think yeah. we would have had to learn those lessons at some point anyway. Baptism by fire, man. It's, uh, it, yeah. it works. It works. And like, yeah. look, as a punter, I was there at that show and like, I didn't think you guys sounded like bad or anything. I was like, oh, this is cool. I, I kind of get where, where these guys are coming yeah. from. And, yeah. you know, obviously I had a soft spot because I'm a big screamer boy. You guys were playing like, you know, some Silverstein knockoffs. I'm like, yeah. This yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, so after doing that that first tour, um, was was there any like big opportunities that came up after that? Um, oh, we got was that end of, the end, end of twenty nineteen. We yeah, that was September, September twenty nineteen, and then we were also lucky enough to go to Sydney the month after with Isotopes. Yeah. Um, we played the Brisbane show of their tour, and they brought us down to Sydney. To open the Sydney show for them, and that was really cool as well. We 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 um, there was a bunch of shows on, on that tour. We only played the Brisbane and Sydney one, but we like pretty much just like hung out with them on the in days in between as well, and that was really cool. To we kind of like felt like we were on tour, but we only played like two of the dates. Yeah, but um, it was it was nah, that was really <laughs> yeah. You're on the poster, still oh. counts. <laughs> that, exactly, like it, I mean, yeah, it was a great experience, and those all those boys are really lovely to us because we're still fresh at that point especially mm. new to playing interstate um so that was really cool um with the opportunities thing um i don't i don't think so we when we came down to melbourne we saw that was the first time um we started recording with chris um which we, uh, he's been the producer for us ever since um so we we're working on new material then so i guess we were focused on doing an ep and i feel like I think we were probably aware that uh, from the incident cycle, I think we were like, okay, well, these show opportunities have probably peaked. I think now it's time for new music to like, like even just releasing Wide Awake, um, uh, all of these new opportunities started to come up and it's just that idea of being relevant and you got to stay super relevant, especially in a time like this where everyone's attention spans real, 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 real small, including mine. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, there was not, not really any opportunities that came up after those interstate shows. It was just kind of us knuckling down, trying to get this EP done, which took up a lot of 2020. Oh, I guess we finished the... Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, we finished the year playing a Brisbane show with Ocean Sleeper and Steps On, which is cool. cool for us. That like, was it was a sold-out show. Crowbar show. Yeah. Um, show. We had, like... We, we brought, like, a few of our friends, so had, like, a good crowd response. But also, I think people... I mean, afterwards, like, you know, as you hope with, uh, uh, with every show that you play, um, like, people you never met sort of come up to you and say hi and say they loved like just said or like they liked your music so we experienced that so that was a really cool way to finish the year and finish i guess the antidote cycle quote unquote yeah end of that that era in in, in between doing you know the that whole antidote cycle and, and starting you know this new ep cycle uh which you guys did a pretty full-on campaign for like mm. everything was super quality 
there was a massive change individually, both both of you guys that I definitely saw from the sidelines. Yeah. And when you guys came out again, like being like, you know, with the whole new days like this look and all like that, I was like, these guys like what the fuck happened? These guys just like had like a whole other life happen and come back. So what what happened in that time in between? Was there like any big personal changes? Crack. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we became drug addicts. <laughs> um I think as I think as like individuals, not even all, all music aside, we, I don't know, we're still so young, like especially mm. young um, when we were like sorting out that entire campaign. Um, but as people, we changed quite a lot, not changed, kind of just like found our sense of ourself. Um, and also a little bit as well. I thought, I think we were like to an extent, uh, I'd probably say like a lot of the bands, especially local bands, just kind of like looked the same. So we're like, we were, I guess like in regards of like how we were like dressing ourselves and whatever, we, even as people like started to um, find a bit more of our own style and wanted to look a certain way or et cetera. And then also on top of that, we're like, well, we need to do something to stand out anyway. Let's not, let's just dress how we want to anyway, like a bit, a bit excessively. I don't know. Um, um, I don't know. It was kind of like, we wanted to do it anyway. So let's just do it for the band and like make it a thing. Um, um, like a personal change that sort of, I, I would say it was at least some, for me personally, it was a little bit forced. It was like, well, I want to, like, I'm sick of looking like every other punt or every other band at a show. Um, and it's just like that sort of, I don't know, individuality sort of maybe complex is the word. I'm not sure that everybody has. You want to stand out. You want to be an individual, um, especially at such a young age. So I think we became self-aware and like, okay, we're definitely coming off as a local band. Let's stop doing that. Like, that's how you break out of that sort of cycle. Um so we were like, all right, let's get dripped up. Let's get our clothing sick. Like, let's get that, I don't know, that big sort of confidence that a lot of bands, you know, uh, big bands sort of have, or big artists, I should say. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, we, went, we all went out shopping and we're like, you know, push yourself outside of your comfort zone, but also like, um, I guess, follow that inner sort of thing that's like, I don't know, like for me, it was like, there was this point where it was like, try these new things but also strive to dress and represent yourself how you want to be represented like be yourself i guess um so yeah i like went to op shops started like trying on some chicks clothes and i was like man this feels good like it was yeah. it's very empowering and i think the first time i wore women's pants i was empowered <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure man like once you it sounds kind of cringe but you know at least for some people personally i know it was for me it was like breaking out of those boundaries that you think people care about and then you realize you're the only one who kind of cares about them. Um, yeah, so like, and we found ourselves kind of like, we were really stoked personally, so I'm glad that people like yourself obviously noticed that change and appreciated it. So thanks for the compliment, I guess. I think kind of like my thought pattern was, I took the little part of my my, my brain that was like, you want to wear that crop top. <laughs> and I just like took it and I was like, made it my main thought i was like i'm gonna wear that crop top you know and i yeah it's it, it, no, it, it was it felt really cool mm. um uh, i was like 
it wasn't as hard to do it as I probably led myself to believe. Also, I mean, I had the entire band that was doing the same thing anyway. Yeah. That probably was very helpful. I think, yeah, like the changing the way we dress. And then also we tried to make the whole aesthetic like quite colorful because um, we felt like the music we were writing, like this EP we had was quite vibrant and um, confident in sound. Yeah. We're like, well, let's relay that onto the visuals as well. Make the whole aesthetic like pretty powerful and colorful and stuff. Um, yeah. We're like, I think it was kind of like that idea of like fake it till you make it, like look confident, look like a big band. Um, and I think for the most part, it, it, it worked. Aside from like having a big step up in quality of the music, I think having that visual was really good as well. Yeah, yeah. I think a few people have, um, yeah, I'm pretty grateful that a few people have said that. Um, like kind of like you briefed earlier that that our visually our campaign has been pretty consistent and I think that's definitely what we went for. Um, I'm glad it translated because often like you can get trapped in sort of the artist perspective and maybe, I don't know, like some people write a song like, yeah, it's a fucking pop song and you're like, this is a day to remember. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of the story, I guess. Yeah, so with that whole change, did you guys have to deal with much like, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, deal with like any like kind of dissenting opinion? Like were the people like saying like, oh, what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, I don't think so. Actually, I think like I even showed like um, some of our promo, promo photos to my grandparents who are like kicking 80 now. And I was like, oh, I wonder how they'll react sort of thing. And they were like surprisingly cool with it. Um, they didn't care. And uh, like I kind of said earlier, I think... I think that thing that a lot of people worry about, at least personally, what I worried about was that sort of judgment from outside of people, outside of people. And I think the sooner you stop caring about that, the sooner you stop like thinking about it and worrying about it and you stop noticing it. And at least you teach yourself to, I don't know, like emotionally distance yourself. And as long as you're personally happy with yourself, kind of everything else falls into place and i think like a lot of that worry also comes from insecurity and no one else feels that insecurity for you like no one else thinks like yeah i i noticed like when i stood in the mirror this morning that your belly looks like big or bloated or whatever like these are all personal things and i think just growing up as individuals because we are quite young i think we kind of learned to handle those things get a grip on those things and that coincided with um yeah, like that per- that interchange sort of became an, like an outer sort of effect, I guess. And even just like Chris showing us so much about music and us learning so much, um, we like applied that to like the visual aspect. We were like, okay, well, we like don't have to try and look like, I don't know, like like the next metal, big metalcore band that we do like. Like we don't have to dress like Northlane. We can dress like... I don't know, like a pop star. We can dress like Jewel Leap and we can dress like fucking Kyle Minogue. Like, who gives a shit? To be fair, there's uh, not big of a difference between uh, the way Northland dresses and some pop stars. I mean, have you seen fucking Marcus in his in yes. his like suit of armor? That's so sick. <laughs> That's fucking rad. Yeah, I love I'm, that. I'm talking shit. I'm a big fan of that band. No, um, I think it's sick as well. You know, you don't have to like set into the black and white deep sort of aesthetic. Hey, yeah. mate, if it ain't emo and it ain't screamo, I'm not buying it. Okay? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I guess like talking about that, you know, the, the EP that you guys have just dropped, um, you guys started recording it like way, way back. I believe like, like you said, during Antidote, you were even like going to Chris's studio. Yeah. What was this, what was the process for putting this record so, together? So when we were down for that rumor show that you were attending, we spent three days in Melbourne after that show and we did one song with Chris, um, which was Inflection. Um, so we did one song with him just to test the waters and we're a bit nervous, um, like going to a producer in Melbourne. Um, big commitment. Yeah. It's a big commitment. And like, we obviously went to him cause we really liked his work, but we're also like, we did one song, you know, instead of signing up for an EP just to test the waters. Um, fucking loved it. Yeah. He's the absolute legend and he's insanely talented. We learned so much from that one song. We had no hesitation to come down and do the rest of the EP with him. We are like this, we just got along really, really well. Um, he saw our vision. He showed us how to get that vision, I think. Um, so, yeah, we did one song. So that was September 2019. We came back down for five days in February, the following year, five days in March, and then June. Yeah, that would have been, that, that been mental. With- we, uh, <laughs> we were in- incredibly lucky with timing, um, with, like, obviously the whole COVID thing. We never once had to reschedule dates with him. We managed to slip through when there weren't any lockdowns every time. So that was really, really good. Can't relate. <laughs> Ruined no, my life, but I know. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I, as I said, like, we, I don't know, insanely lucky. There was n- no, no, uh, uh, hard work on our behalf, no. I guess. Just luck. Um, so yeah, we finished it in June last year. Um, yeah, we wrote, we took a bunch of songs to him. Um, he, we worked on the best ones and made them better. And then we wrote a couple in the studio as well, um, from scratch, which was really good experience because we got both sides of it. We got him taking one of our ideas and, uh, working on it with us. And then we also wrote with him from scratch and both were very, um, good learning experiences for us. Yeah. Um, in terms of the process, we're like, between all of us three, we had quite an array of different influences. And at, at the same time, we're like, we kind of want to sound like all of these at once. And he showed us how to create diverse music um, between like five or six songs, but also make them cohesive. Um, he really showed us how to utilize like, synths and electronics in our music we we knew we wanted to um just didn't know how exactly exactly never had had much experience with that before like creating it ourselves um so that was really really good i thought electronic music just press space bar yeah (laughs) djs they have no skill man pick up a bloody guitar pick a real (laughs) instrument yeah i cannot tell you how many fucking dads have told me yeah um I don't know. What do you want to say about the writing process? Um, it was, I very, very vividly recall sitting in the corner of Chris's studio with my head in my hands because Chris had just, he pointed out that we were, it was like, what were like your top five like Spotify artists for the year for all of us? And we all said like essentially the exact same once and yeah. it was all within the same realm of music 
And he was like, well, that's why you guys are writing songs that kind of all sound the same because, you know, like you're listening to great artists, don't get me wrong, but you're not exposing yourself with enough refreshing music to provide, provide some diversity and also something that's accessible for people who don't listen to, um, like Bring Me The Horizon or Northlane or all the big sort of artists that a lot of us love. Um, and especially pointing out that we were listening to, especially myself, listening to a lot of local artists, which is great and it's good to, it's important to support local artists. But if you're constantly surrounded by that and exposed to that, you're going to be creating the same quality, uh, the same um, level of music in terms of quality, which then you'll be stuck in that local, local artist sort of, uh, I don't know, that you put that ceiling on that and you, you'll just be playing local music. I guess, whereas you got to be think bigger. Um, so as much as that was like a semi existential crisis for me, it was like a great experience because I went home, I like deleted some music that I didn't listen to or that I valued maybe a little bit too much. I'm not sure, um, and I actively pushed myself out of that and tried to listen to some newer artists. And I'd say with this with this new EP that we're currently recording, I think all of those quirkier sort of things that we've kind of become really uh we kind of indulged in quite a bit after that experience and i think all of those sort of quirkier sort of sides have come out i think it's like the most diverse piece of work that we've done yet um it is both the heaviest and the <laughs> and softest thing we've the ever done the most diverse yeah. and the least diverse <laughs> best and worst it's the most <laughs> audible and the least audible piece of music we've ever done <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess I guess everyone says that, but that's what you hope for, right? You hope yeah. that every every artist is pursuing that, is making the most diverse thing they've ever made, the heaviest and the lightest. Um, so, yeah, it's great to know that that trage- trajectory is going. I don't know if you can hear Hayden, but I think Russell's playing Spanish guitar right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get that flamenco going. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, and the re- and the reality is, like, we got caught up in what's current, kind of currently trending, but um which puts you always behind it can do yeah yeah exactly because like for example we're listening to a lot of things that were really popular in 2019 when we're doing wide awake and um yeah chris was like well by the time this is finished you're releasing music that was popular two and three years ago um yeah and you kind of got to not think with the trend but kind of I don't know, follow what you really want to make, I guess, what makes you really happy. Um, Lean into your own individuality. I, I think guess. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's something that we've learned slash are still learning and Chris definitely helped that. I can't like, yeah, we have a lot of love for Chris. I think he's developed us so much and hopefully, yeah, hopefully one day we can take that and I don't know, maybe self-produce our own al- album or, or yeah, music. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um I guess in that in that whole period in between um, doing Antidote and doing you know Wide Awake, um, I definitely heard like a massive step up vocally from you, Callan. Yep. Was there any work that you did in that time to bring step it up? Fucking lots and lots of work. Um, I started getting lessons from David. Yep, Delahoz, the absolute legend he is. Um, he just really, really helped me improve my voice. Um, I've been getting lessons from him since. August 2019. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, he just really helped me, helped guide me, and I learned so much and how to what I'm doing, how to control it, 
everything. Um, so I, I, I owe a lot of that to him. Um, as well as that though, you, I, I think I remember that period and you were also spending hours and hours developing your voice. I mean, it's one thing like David's incredibly talented. I've, I've had lessons from him and, he, and he's very great, but just like anything, I guess you have to put in the time. Yeah. Um, put in the work. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he gave me the homework and I had to go and do it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And Callan, I think it's safe to say he worked so hard on that, on, on, on his instrument, you know, harder than I think Russell and I did. Um, and it really turned out for the best. I believe I was incredibly stoked with the way he performed on wide awake and the way he's performing now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell me about like, because you guys put together some fucking cool content for this uh, release. The videos all look like a million bucks. Um, awesome. How did you guys conceptualize all the ideas for that and put that together? Um, we kind of flip flop, flip flops a lot between what songs we wanted to be singles. So we kind of had a bunch of ideas for videos that didn't surface like just ideas that didn't go through um and we maybe took some of the ideas and recycled them into the videos we didn't spend too long con like conceptualizing the videos um before we took them to the videographers which were colin and andrew vaughn colin jeffs Mm. um because we obviously knew that they would know how to you know, yes. go about it and uh, take our ideas and make them a lot better. Yeah, you, um, gave, you gave them the foundations and they kind yeah. of built the, yeah, built the video around it. I think, I think there were even times where we did that and it was a little bit like uh, they were kind of like, all right, you got you to gotta trust me a little bit on this. And mm. uh, I know you guys have a vision, but yeah, it's like, it's also realizing that, you know, like you have a team that works on your music, uh, mm. whether it's a videographer, like a PR like a PR person or whatever. And it's realizing that like we could walk to the comfort to them with, with ideas, but the reality is they know how to make the video. They know yeah. how it looks good. Um, so there were ideas that didn't make it, but I, I think it's safe to say it was for the best. And yeah. even from that, we learned a lot. Well, I feel like just the act of choosing the right person as well is an important skill because everything, because like, like we talked about before with you guys, like changing the way that you presented yourselves and that you presented the band. Um, your choice of videographer, I think, worked really well in your favor because it really accentuated those things, I think. Yeah. Um, because the, the works that you put together, I feel, are very reflective. I, I don't know if how, how you guys perceive it personally, but from the outside looking in, that's that's how I felt. It felt like, oh, days like these have like reinvented themselves and it's like just pushed up to 10 with the content that you guys were putting out. Yeah, we definitely... that. I'm very glad to hear that because that was definitely our goal. Yeah. Um, we wanted everything to be extremely cohesive and like one of the biggest guidelines we gave the videographers was like we wanted like each we gave like a color palette to each video yeah which was reflective like we had a select a bunch of colors that were representing the ep overall and we like picked one for each video um and one for i guess like all the content surrounding that single cycle yeah and then it was like i guess a combination of all three for the we were kind of just like we noted the aesthetic we wanted for each video um and we were just like it has to be really cohesive and they kind of just took those very bare guidelines and like the gravity video is not anything like it's not really doesn't have a narrative or anything it's just kind of like fucking cool lasers but it's like 
it worked and it worked with the song and we're stoked on it um yeah um yeah i was i'm yeah as i said i'm really glad to hear that because um that's definitely what we were going for and then once we got the product back we felt that was achieved Mm. um from the help of those wonderfully talented people um yeah and we've had a few comments comments like that um i'm sure there'll be areas to improve but i think we felt that it was a big step up for us so we were personally stoked um as Callan briefed before, there were a few songs that we thought, or uh, there were, there were, I guess, a few changes of mind um, based on what singles would would um, be released. As sorry, what songs would be released as singles? What songs would have videos and things? And um, I think it was mainly Callan and um, our PR person. I guess PR person is that the right term? Yeah, um, Ophelia from Collision Course. Um, who's an absolute whiz I, I yeah we have nothing but good things to say about Ophelia the two of them kind of mainly sat down listened to the EP and we had a few other perspectives uh like Chris we asked a few friends in that and they were like well these and it seemed like all all those people kind of said these three songs um which were Gravity Honey and um High and Glow seem to be kind of the kickers of this EP I think they need to be like the first taste that people get um yeah, so we ended up going with those and we actually were going to do our last single, Dissociate, as the first single. But um, yeah, people seemed to like High and Glow, so we ended up doing that instead. Uh, and because it was a last minute thing, we were like, well, this needs some sort of content. Like we don't want to just, like, I think you need that visual content. That's a, It's weird. It's like, I think there's a lot of money that people invest into videos Um and I guess you don't really see that comeback. Like, unless you're a fucking massive band, you probably don't receive any YouTube revenue or anything like that. No. But it plays such an important part in like fulfilling all the other things throughout the the cycle. I feel like what it does is it cements the identity of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And like, like, not every person that hears a song is going to see the video, but the people who will talk about your band will be the ones who are referencing that video is like, oh no, they're like this. And like, they've got this image in your mind, yes. in their mind yes. about who you are based on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it plays a, a massive part image. Um, like I think even subconsciously, like you don't want to think about um, like how a certain person from a band looks and how attractive they might be. And there might even be an element of sex appeal in, in some regard, but that subconsciously at least plays a part. And um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like that imagery is a massive massive part of especially like the to the point where people really start to love bands because you love i mean like to love to love something you have to kind of really really enjoy and indulge in like every element of it i think um yeah i don't know yeah no that's that's um that's a good answer (laughs) (laughs) um all right so you guys put out the ep like was like two months ago now? May, yeah. 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 Um, since then, you know, you got the uh the offer to do that um Polaris show, which Whoa. is Yeah, yeah. Or was it was it two? Did you go two shows? Two shows, yeah. yeah which fucking sick. Uh, um, unreal, man. Unreal. And then you you know, you've also got the Wide Awake tour, which I think is that has that been <laughs> It's in limbo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, so tell me about tell me about uh, the opportunities that came from this EP. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to with uh, every show we've played this year has been really, really insane. Um, Bellhaven, we're lucky enough to... We were lucky enough that Bellhaven um, 
uh, put us on the Brisbane show like the week after Gravity came out. Um, obviously, it was decided before that, but yeah. it was great the way it worked out. Like new song, I mean, playing a show again for the first time in like you know eighteen months, um, which was great. Um, and then month after that, we were lucky enough to go to Sydney again. Um, the lovely people in Headstrong took us down. It was really cool. Um, and then the month after that, the EP came out and we played the headline show in celebration of that. And that was, that, that blew all ex- expectations. Like people were just loving all the new songs and singing them to us. And um, it was just uh, it was such a good night. We were we were stoked that we could bring Inertia up to Brisbane for the first yeah. time. Um okay. Love those boys. We played with them in Melbourne on the yeah. Rinder show. Yeah, um, dude. Those yeah. Guys are Full insane. circle. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> fucking blew us out of the water that night. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> we were worried that they were like, be better than us, please. Yeah. Oh, well, they were definitely better than us. But um, yeah, so we were, we were stoked that they said yes because we were like, it'd be cool to bring, you know, our friends, but also an insanely good band up to Brisbane um, for their first time, which was really cool. Um, yeah, that show was insane. And then, yeah, the following month, um, we had to play with Polaris, which was unreal. Yeah, um, it was pretty surreal. I mean, um, yeah, like it's, it's weird. It's like Polaris is such a big band that you don't think you feel like, I think to a certain degree, like there is an element of, uh, like a generation of music or artists or bands and, you kind of fit into one or the other or, you know, one or, you know, a bunch of others. Um, I guess like bands like Polaris and Alpha Wolf are in that sort of previous generation to us or to like the bands after that. And so you feel like, oh, like, like unsure if you'll ever play with them sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess luckily we, there was like this um, rural, I guess rural tour, if you want to call it that opportunity. And um, funnily enough, it was being, I think the two sort of, contenders to get the shows were us or Callan's other band Headwreck. So it's kinda of like either way, like we we won in some some <laughs> like if it wasn't us, like it was Headwreck and like I'm like the biggest fucking sweater of that band and like they're all my mates. So um but yeah it was great. Like DAL's sick for putting us on Polaris. Polaris are like literally the nice band I've ever met. It's like it's nice to see that like a massive band it doesn't always fit the narrative which is like the ego thing. Yeah. Um it's good to see like some artists are breaking that sort of stigma i guess and um it's also really clear to see why that plays such a massive part in their success i don't think you get really anywhere if you're not a very nice person really yeah of course, of course. most of the time not i don't think You'd hope but, not, yeah. but yeah <laughs> i think that's becoming less relevant i think like there was this weird sort of cool rock star thing where people would throw fucking tvs off balconies in their hotels that they didn't pay for and all these things <laughs> and it was weirdly idolized um because I guess maybe people were envious. Maybe people wanted to have that power and that control. But now I think there's this morality in the last 10 to 20 years that's come in. That's been a good thing, I guess. Like all the good people who deserve those opportunities are getting them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think cancel culture has a big part to play in that. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no room for cunts anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, that was great. As Noah said, insanely nice people. Mm. Very nice. Like we hung out with them. Yes. Yeah. And it was like just like there's that there's this weird thing that a lot of people forget, and especially myself, it's like at the end of the day, they're normal people too. It yeah. and they they just happen to have, you know They just happen from, to be cool rock stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um Um Yeah. We I think 
uh, we were lucky. I think we played well both nights, which was good because obviously. What were the crowds Dawn, like? Was it was it pretty crazy? Yeah, yeah. Um, we were that. So we played the Sunny Coast and the Gold Coast, and that was the first show at that new dive bar in the Sunny Coast. That show, mm. um, like we were like technically we were the first band to play that um, venue, but it drew a really really nice crowd. I'm, I'm guessing it's Polaris and their fans, but mm-hmm. the the venue is really nice. The staff are really nice. Um, so it was just a good vibe overall. Um, we didn't, we had a Gold Coast is closer to Brisbane, I think by a little bit. So we had more of our, more people in the Gold Coast knew who we were, but even yeah. in saying that the sunny coast patrons were really, uh, into it. I think they didn't yeah. know the music, so they didn't know, like, I don't know when to jump or mosh, but you could tell that, we had their attention, which was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, which is what you hope for when you're playing to a new people. Absolutely. Um, so that was cool. We met a bunch of new people. They seemed, they said some nice words about us. So obviously that's really, they're really nice and kind. Sell some t-shirts, feel good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we were kind of worried that that wouldn't happen. I guess that it's that weird thing where like you're playing with someone who's significantly bigger than you. Um, like, I don't know, like they're there for them. And some people like, aren't like aren't aware of the local scene once you get to like a level like polaris i'm not sure but mm. um yeah we were pretty lucky like people really seemed to dig our stuff and um yeah we did surprisingly sell like some merch and like yeah made some new fans and shit. well it's it interesting cool. once you step out of the the realm of like local shows because like there's like this weird there's like local shows there's like big productions and then there's like this gray area in between. I think right now Polaris kind of sit in that gray area in between where you get a mixture of local scene people and like just regular punters. The regular punters don't give a shit. They, they're just like, oh, is that cool music? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I know and, what you and mean. like being yeah. people that are in the scene, like you kind of lose sight of that a lot. Yeah. Because like I was talking to this band called Firebird um, on the show. Love them. And really- like... They played like fucking arena shows or some shit. Yeah. Insane. Well, being like like numbers wise, they're not they're not like a massive band. No. But no. like they got they got the opportunity to do that and the crowds, they just operate in a completely different yeah. way. And those yeah. and so like have you guys having that experience of being like, Oh, I'm not sure if anyone's gonna give a shit and then like having people give a shit, it's just a result of like playing to that more, I guess standardized crowd that you're yeah. going to be seeing more of as well yeah which is good and i think it's more true that way because people aren't there's an element that's great about supporting local artists but there is it gets to a point where you're like supporting a local artist just because they're a local artist not because you believe they have that quality or that thing that kind of hooks you mm. um so yeah i guess it's a good feeling that you know like when you're going to those bigger sort of quote-unquote maybe mainstream crowds um you know that like if there's a reaction, it's pretty genuine, I think. Um, and I'm sure that's like, exactly what Firebird experienced because they yeah. toured with like, was it Catfish and the Bottleman? I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like someone else, I can't remember who, but yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. And they, they play were... some crazy shows. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's insane. And um, like I saw a couple of live videos from from those guys and like you said, crowd went off and that was genuine. Like, you know, yeah. you, you can't fake that sympathy, sympathy sort of clap. Yeah. You know the difference, I guess. And yeah. Sick band, by the way. They're so fucking cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah. jealous. Um, yeah, we played those shows and we were meant to have played two-thirds of our tour by now. <laughs> um, unfortunately, those two dates, hopefully, are going ahead. I, I have We have new dates locked in. I'm um, yep. just waiting for 
other things to be confirmed first. Um, it's, I guess it's so hard to say in, in the climate right now, but yeah. fingers crossed. There, there are shows when they'll be played is yeah. <laughs> to be determined. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's kind of like the last immediate shows around the EP release. Um, oh, we have um, Halloween Hysteria back in Brisbane yeah, in October, cool. which is exciting. Nora and I have been to that twice now as yep. patrons and like, we're like, this will be sick to play. Like, obviously it was a goal and we're lucky to get it this year. And we're playing with heaps of our friends, um, to Octavia and The Last Martyr are coming up yeah. to Brisbane from Melbourne to play yeah. it as well. Even like, um, some really sick bands like Loon, Gravemind. Yeah. Also like Spider Bait. I used to be a fucking... <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's cooked, but it's cool. I, I used to be a massive fan when I was like... 14 so that's like a mini dream sort of achieved yeah. at least in, in my books um that's a that's a way to impress uh the 40 year old man oh you're playing with spider bait <laughs> yeah i show my dad's like you're right it's not bad man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah, yeah. This, uh, i think in general the wide awake cycle has gone um i guess i think we've like tried to teach ourselves to like keep your expectations down low because at the very best you blow those away and at the very least you maybe like as a data member once said keep your hopes <laughs> up high yeah boy. <laughs> yeah i mean a couple of us uh uh dead big boy uh sorry but all time like a data member fan so yeah naturally that line came yeah. to play i guess um but yeah we're like i think it blew our expectations on like how well the cycle went not to say that it couldn't be uh, like our campaign our rollout couldn't be done better i know it can be done better but i think we're like all right fuck yeah this is like a step up and this is yeah. bigger than we expected like i um, think you guys did really well with this with this ap rollout and yeah. are continuing to do well with this ap rollout and i like if if everything that we've talked about like you know means anything like you know you guys just have like this uh this tendency to kind of throw yourselves into the deep end and figure and, and figure it out but but yeah. like you know along the way like learn a lot of valuable skills and put them to practice in the next step along the journey. Yeah. And so whatever lessons you've learned here, it's going to be really exciting stepping into the next step because um, I feel like you've really nailed a lot of shit. So whatever stuff you don't know going to the next cycle, well, yeah. you, you've got you've got like 99% of the skills there, I, I feel like. so. Well, yeah. I, I mean, at least, I don't know, it's weird. I guess you kind of hope you never had 100% of the skills because then you'll stop learning. I think like... Um, it feels like for us at least, and I, you know, like generally, you know, most bands there is that sort of steady incline and you keep getting better and better. Um, and I don't think there's like any album that's too perfect. Like theoretically, there's no 10 out of 10 album because like it never fucking ends. Like people, like bands and artists still make that's such a healthy Albums. fucking response. You know what I think? I think there is objectively <laughs> good. <laughs> Listen here. Under Oath is the best fucking band yeah, ever. Yeah, straight up, straight up. And if you disagree, well, I'm afraid to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> this is where the podcast ends, my man. No. Oh, God. Okay, so... Real quickly, I want to touch on um, what's to come. I am here with you guys at Lalex Place. You guys yeah, are making we're music. sitting in Lalex's living room while him and Russell are upstairs tracking guitars. Um, Obviously, we can't talk too much about it, but like, I don't know, what, what's, what's the plan? Um, got a whole bunch of new music we're working on. Each song is vastly different. We're taking like the, uh, I guess, like the diversity of Wide Awake and just going with it in every which direction. It always, um, it's probably a bit of a generic answer, but well, <laughs> I think, um, wide awake, there was, 
I think like it was diverse considering who we were then. Yeah. At least for us on a personal level. It's but... no fucking ammo. No, no. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, yeah. um, it's only diverse to an extent. I feel like it still fell into this sort of um, maybe like quote unquote local band realm that I think we're trying to escape. Not that it's bad to be like you, everyone. I think everyone has to be a local artist at some point unless you're like some sort of industry plant. Um but yeah, I think like looking back, even just, I mean, we finished Wide Awake in June uh, last year, 2020, and now it's over a year later and just in a year, like a lot's changed um, and that's been fast-tracked because of those learning lessons we had during Wide Awake with Lalic. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I think we're all into, really all into this, into the 1975. Um, I think that's probably played a pretty big part in like, at least the way they structure their records is really at least personally inspiring to me. It's like, I don't think like any fan is too prepared for the next record. Um, and I'm like a late fan too. Like I only got into them like last year, but I think there's just, this, uh, just to, to put it briefly, I think there's just this element of diversity that I really appreciate that shows this incredible level of skill and songwriting. It's like this really great balance where they can write a super accessible song that can, you know, like go number one, but they can also write really almost, yeah, like obscure, almost self-indulgent music that's also appeals to a different type of person. And um, to kind of bridge that gap between like the kind of weird shit that happens in your head and like what is actually music. Yes. Yeah, yeah I exactly. actually, yeah, that's a good way to put yeah. it actually. And I think we just walked in the CP and we were like, all right, let's like, let's blow some people's expectations. even. I don't think that, I think that we didn't even think too much about what we wanted to sound like. We just simply started writing yeah. um, and we had, we definitely had no shortage of ideas, um, all very different. Um, and we just presented literally every single idea to Chris and he was, taught us his thoughts and what he thinks. had like, Good, bad, good, yeah. Yeah, good, bad. <laughs> Let, he, he sometimes would be like, that wasn't very good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a big reason why we go to him because he's just yeah. honest and, yeah yeah um i think yeah as i just said like we didn't think too long about it i think if anything on wide awake we might have thought a little too hard um but it you know the result was that ep and that we're we're still very stoked on that yeah um this time around we we didn't think about it so much um we just kind of wrote a whole bunch of music and picked the songs that we liked the most and we thought were the best and we finished them and that's pretty much that i feel like that vibe will will show somewhat when you listen to it um i don't think it's i don't think it'll be in a bad way mm. um i don't know um yeah i mean I'm, I'm personally stoked with it it's definitely um like coincided with our development on a personal level and in our taste um and i think like chris's Despite like, you know, his his band Wind Waker is like, I guess, at least the core of it. They're a, they're a, a, a hardcore, sorry, a metalcore band that does all these weird things. And like, there's this no secret, I think. That's why their EP Empire blew up. And I think that's why their new music is going to be great. Um, but yeah, like you ask Chris what he's listening to. And, he, and it's like, it's usually kind of unexpected. And I think he re- recognized that like we wanted to do or at least we were presenting ideas that were a, like there was a level of maybe diversity and, mm. and these sort of quirks, which is what we were trying to achieve. Um, 
I yeah. think. And yeah, he recognized that and he definitely helped us achieve those those goals. Like there's one song that we're doing at the moment, which is currently at least called Paranoia. Um, and there's like, uh, like some quite dark sort of melodies and elements in there. Um, and there's like a lot of like sort of like drum and bass influence, which is like a thing that's catching on. Like I think a lot of, um, it's definitely like a popular sort of thing. Like, yeah, you know the band Strange Bones? No. Okay, they're fair. They're like a UK band, but they're really cool. They do like a mixture of like that sort of EDM style. Um, but like, yeah, I think that drum and bass thing is um, like kind of trending at the moment. But um, yeah, Callum was saying like he started writing that song and he had this vision and Chris kind of perfectly executed what he had in his mind. So it does click like that. And we have worked with like for quite a while now where I think with Wide Awake, it was very much him... It was kind of like Lalic versus us three because um, it was currently, it was at that time us three. Um, yeah, whereas now he kind of commented that now it feels way more collaborative and it feels like he is a piece of the band in the studio. Yeah. Um, and I think that collaboration has definitely showed there's a certain flow, I think, of the EP or at least the songs. Um, and I think that's because we've gelled together better than we ever have as a unit. Yeah, I think... One thing I would say on a personal note is like on this new material, I feel like I've finally found my own lane as a vocalist and sort of come into my own a bit. Um, even with Wide Awake, there's a huge step up, I think, in the quality than previous material, but it was still, I still needed a lot of guidance, which I got from Chris. Whereas mm. this time around, I've come in and just sort of, it's been less of like figuring it out and more just like getting in there and like doing my thing. Um, I think that's one of the most exciting parts of it for me personally, you know. As yeah, you less, less of him pushing you into a moment and more of him yeah. just trying to capture it. Yeah, I just yeah. found found my own lane, as I said, um, which is really cool. And that that provides me with a sense of like confidence. I know what I want, know what I'm doing. I think that comes that that definitely shines through on this new material. Um and I think in a way us as a entire band and as one unit have come into our own heaps more and a lot more confident going in with to this material. Beautiful. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end. Um, thank you so much for jumping on the show, guys. Uh, it's been awesome to get your insight on like everything that you guys have done, and it's exciting to hear that we've got more to come. So, Heaps more, yeah. Anything you guys want to shout out before we finish up? Um, hmm. Shout out to you. Shout Woo! out to Chris Lalek. Yeah. Shout out to Old Ego. Shout out to Chris Lalek. Um, my fucking boys. No, I kid. Um, yeah, no, thanks for having us, man. It's, it's always lovely. Like doing these podcasts, not even to like, just sit there and talk about ourselves for an hour, just like, um, to get to like know hosts and stuff more. And, um, yeah, just hang out, have a good chat, some good vibes. So yeah, thanks for having us, man. Thank you. Much appreciate yeah, if you're listening and you don't know us at all, um, this, this is this is for you, mom. <laughs> big plug. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Um, yeah, go and like check us out on Spotify. Like we got all the socials. Um, yeah, we're playing some shows pretty soon. I don't know when this is going to be released, but if we're playing a show near you, come and hang out. We love to get to know people and all that jazz. Cool. Well, listen to the EP. See them at a show. Give them your money. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm going to press space by now.
everything I 